Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Good afternoon, church. Um, yeah, I think I am sorted. My name is Nongkululeko, short for, um, in short, it's Nongku, as uh, Natasha rightly put it. My surname is Mwabelo. I am the wife to one husband and the mother of two children that God has blessed me with. Um, but what's most importantly is that I'm a child of God. I am saved, washed, cleaned by the blood, and I'm just so humbled to be able to stand in front of God's children and to share the word. I do not take it lightly. Um, I respect this platform, so um, trusting God for His grace. Amen. Okay, so I've been tasked to share on a very <laughs> awkward topic, money. In particular, we're going to be talking about God and money. Um, yeah, so I'm here to remind us. Yes, sorry, Paul. Are we good? Thank you. Thank you, Mpo. So it's a bit busy here with the hair and all. Um, but yeah, so I'm just here to remind us that it's God's money. I'm just going <laughs> to say that and let it sink in. It's God's money. Sorry, my hair is a bit caught up. But um, so, I mean, I don't think I'm qualified to speak on the topic. I am not a millionaire, it's not a TED talk. I am not the best with money, but what I have learned is to trust God with my money. Or rather, trust God with his money. <laughs> okay, so the anchor scripture that we will be dealing with um, or looking at today is from Deuteronomy chapter eight. Um, verse 11 to 19. So you can turn there if you've got your Bibles. Um, but I just want to give you guys a background about myself. Um, I'm one of three children. I'm the middle child. And I was raised by a single mother. I'll say I was raised by a single mother, but she was married. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate circumstances where my father left when I was in grade one. And he resurfaced when I was in varsity. How convenient. <laughs> so all throughout my childhood, I just had to um, watch my mother be frugal with money, know what to do, and at the same time learn the principles of tithing and offering from the very little that we had. And if I can tell you guys a testimony, when I registered for university, um, the registration money came from God because my mother did not have any money. I remember us going to January prayer and fasting and registration is in February. And she says, we are praying and fasting for your registration and that you get res. Um, yeah, and that NASFAS um, accepts you. So, I mean, we prayed and I just remind, I remember trusting God from a young age with, I mean, trusting him for everything that I need in my life. Um, because 
he is a source. And I mean, my mother is a teacher, but she really didn't have enough money for all three of us um, and everything else in the world. So, I mean, yes, um, God showed up. A lady who my mother did not even know, and this is a true story, just came up with an envelope and said, Hi, Mom Sunduza, um, God told me to give you this. Literally, my mom came into my room crying. She's like, okay, look, look at what God has done. So, I mean, I, I would be really stupid not to trust God with my money after he's been so faithful. And I'm just going to encourage us today with, with the word. So, if we look at this scripture, I'm going to read it and then um, just chat about it a bit. Read along with me um, in your Bibles, please. It says from verse 11, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all you have is multiplied, then your hearts be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions, manned, what's manned? Thirsty ground where, oh sorry, and, sorry the M should not be there, and thirsty ground where there is no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, and test you to do good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after the gods and and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Sure, imagine being in the crowd or in the generation of the Israelites and hearing this message. Um, the context here is that the Israelites had wandered in the wilderness for quite a period. I think it was towards the end of their 40-year period, and God gives this, this word for them and says, okay, kids, you need to listen. You've seen how I have provided for you. You've seen how I've done all these things out of nothing. You know, I've, I've put you through tribulation so that you might learn that everything comes from me. Yeah. Now that you are about to step into this promised land, remember. Can we all say Remember. I want us to say it because as humans, the biggest thing that leads us to sin is that we forget. It's not that we don't love God or anything, we just forget. So today we're going to remember. And the reason why God saw it fit to tell the Israelites this message and to remind them is because God knows the heart of man. God created us, he knows us, he knows that when we are full, and when everything is going great, there's abundance, the, the likelihood of us forgetting who he is, is greater. 
It's not that God wants us to suffer all our lives. Really, it isn't. He, he does want to bring us to a place of abundance and wealth, but we ought to remember. Remember that He is God. Remember that um, He is a source of everything that we have. And if we look at verse 18, I've highlighted it there in green. It says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. If there's any scripture you remember today, that's the one. Okay, so let's state the facts. I've mentioned some of them, but I've summarized them there on that slide. All silver and all gold belong to God. God is creator God. He is our father. He created everything, all the gold, all the minerals, everything that we tangibly look at as wealth belong to him. He does not need our money. And this is a principle that I've had to unlearn. Unfortunately, I did not always have the privilege of going to a church with the right doctrine in terms of money. Um, but God does not need our money. I think for the longest time, I used to think that God needs my money. You know, nothing is going to happen in terms of the ministry if I don't you know, and I just felt compelled. And yes, we are compelled. Yes, we are obliged to offer. But just understanding that God doesn't need our money. He, he is the almighty God. He owns everything. He says, I have a cattle on a thousand hills. Imagine God telling um, his people that I am wealthy. I do not need anything from you. But what he wants from us, right, is a heart. A heart that is willing to to surrender to him. It's all about the heart. Let me rather say it's about the attitude of our hearts, not really the tangible aspect of what we are giving. Amen? Amen. Okay, just checking if we're still together. <laughs> it is God who allows us to generate wealth. Now, this one is as important as knowing that God is a source. You know, it's easy to accept that money comes from God if it comes out of nowhere. It's harder to accept that money comes from God when you've been at a nine-to-five, you've worked hard, you've written that business plan, you've done everything, and then you, the money comes in. It's harder to believe that that comes from God because you've put in so much effort. And I just feel like the Lord wants to remind us today that mm, although you've worked hard for it, He has given you the strength the intellectual ability, the skill, the whatever, to be able to generate that wealth. When I say wealth, I'm just talking about from money to anything else that we need in, in, in this life, right? And then um, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, For I will rebuke the devourer um, so that your crops will prosper. So this is also God reminding, um, reminding us or reminding his people that even as you sow a seed, you tend the land, you harvest, um, for, you actually be, for you to get that harvest, it is the doing of God to hold back the devourer. It's the doing of God to hold back whatever would eat your seed. It's really not about you and your hard labor in, in, in sowing, right? So God will hold back the devourer. And I think we need to just also... Take that in. I mean, when I prayed, um, I asked God, um, 
Lord, let this be a word in season. And I don't know how relevant it is, but it's definitely relevant to me, considering the fact that we've just gone through a very hard two years. I think all of us have taken a knock in some way or another. Um, some people have actually lost jobs, and it makes you value what you do have, because we've now been faced with the reality that uh, things can switch up just like that. And God just wants us to rest assured that he will rebuke the devourer concerning us. You know, if we trust him, if we honor him, you know, that's what's going to happen. And I've already mentioned this one. The caution is that we must beware lest we say in our hearts, the power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. Um, just a testimony, you know, when you've studied hard in university and you finally get your dream job, or when you've worked in, in, in corporate or wherever and you've finally gotten your dream position, it's very easy for you to feel, you know, like you've arrived. You know, like you worked hard, you put in the hours. And this scripture, it, it, it's just God humbling us that it's not the strength or the might of your hand that has gotten you that wealth. Yeah. And, you know, we just need to approach wherever we are with that humility, that, Lord, it's not, it's not my doing, it is you. Um, yeah, and we've been charged to be good stewards of all that God gives us. Um, so I had to, you know, be intentional about looking at what it means to be a good, a good steward because it's easy to just throw that word around, but what does it mean? Um, what does it mean to, to be a good steward of all that? I'm going to take you there, Basileriko. <laughs> okay, so um, to be a good steward of all that God gives us, right? Um, but before, before I, I, I take us through you know, what that means, in fact, let me start off by, 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 by taking us through what that means. Oh yes, Proverbs 3 verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. This just ties in with what Pastor Shola preached about last week. This is a, an, um, I can say it's a command for the Israelites and for us as well, I wouldn't say necessarily the, the, the tithe, but I'll say generosity, which does include the tithe. So the tithe and then some. Um, with your wealth and with the first fruit of all your crops. So how to be a good steward. The first one, provide for your basic needs. And I've highlighted basic. Yeah, provide for your basic needs. I say this because, and I mean, it took a moment for me to understand what the Lord was trying to say. Like I mentioned earlier, when um, my father left us um, when we were young, he had basically failed to provide. Um, he was not dead. He was not unemployed. He was very much well off. In fact, I think he had just resigned from a job and cashed in his pension and then took his three cars and left. <laughs> I say that because we were stuck without a car. Um, you know, um, provide for your basic needs. It doesn't honor God when we come to church, sing, and even bring our tithe, but at home, they don't know your money. Your kids don't know your money. If you are a father 
and your children don't see your money or they're not taken care of, rather. Let me put it like that. It doesn't honor God. So we need to just park it there and, and start there and say, okay, Lord, you, you have given me, um, before I'm out there funding missions, are my kids eating? Okay, the kids are eating. Thank you, Lord, for what is, from what is left, let's do missions. Oh, this is after tithe. It's not a, and, um, a sermon on tithe. So for all intents and purposes, we tithe first. Um, yes, but provide for your, for your children. Provide for your basic needs. It, it is important. And then number two, share with those who are in need. You know, it's, it, it's important that we just generate a culture and a habit of generosity. Learn to share. Don't share because you have enough. Share because you have. Does that make sense? Don't share because you have a lot. Share because you have. So from what you have, a portion of that ought to go to, you know, um, those who are in need. And Jesus says um, in Matthew, by doing for the list of these, you have done it for me. He's talking about giving. He's talking about visiting people in, in, in prison. He's talking about, you know, just being generous um, overall. He says, by doing it to the people around you, you're actually doing it for him. Yeah. Number three, do God's will or advance his kingdom. And then I just put there, be missions driven. I've got the earth there because, you know, at Every Nation, we are big on missions and we believe that they <laughs> we want to take the gospel to the world. And being a, big, a good steward of, of our money is taking part in, in that as well. Doing God's will, um, doing ministry um, with our money ties into this, to the next point as well. So if you haven't um, partnered with anyone at the church, this is outside of your tithe. If you are not contributing to the needs of any minister, Nino was talking here about the various initiatives we have going at the church. If you are a good steward of your money, that's where you ought to be participating in. I'm not going to put in how much, how, how frequent. But as the Lord nudges, that's where we participate in because, you know, we are advancing his kingdom through what he's given us. And then prove God's goodness and put God's glory on display. Be generous so that people can glorify God. This is now not talking about those who are in need. This is just being, being generous to the people around you. Be generous with, you know, your time, your skill. Nino was asking for people who have a particular skill to come in and, and help out. If you've got a skill that the Lord has blessed you with, come, be a good steward of whatever God has given you and you minister with that. You, you are generous so that people can glorify God. You know, sometimes when um, um, it's not that I have any money in fact, it's far from it. Um, but, you know, when people look at me and, if I, and, and I'm really good or I'm, I'm, I'm a good steward of God's money in terms of all, all these areas, they look at me and they glorify God. Because, you know, especially whenever I give or whatever I do, it's, it's to the glory of God. When they look at me, when they look at you, they glorify the Father. You can minister through your money. You can minister through your money. So however the Lord translates that to you, it's up to you. I'm going to encourage us to actually go pray about it. 
But let's just be open to the idea that it's not only what we bring to the pulpit that matters. Amen? Awesome. Um, All right. So what actually prevents us then from being generous? What prevents us um, from being good stewards um, of all that God gives us? The answer to that is discontent. Discontent means feeling or, yeah, feeling like you don't have enough or feeling like you want more or, you know, you're just discontent. I don't know. English is not my first language, but I think I've sort of tried to explain it. And one of the things that I've learned Early on, like I said, I didn't grow up in a wealthy family. I think we were, in, in Joburg standards, we were probably poor at home. Um, but I've learned to be content. And I've, this scripture has been my anchor scripture, I think, from when I was a teenager until now. Um, because, you know, life, life. <laughs> You'll never know how life is going to turn out. But as long as you are content, you will not be affected. In fact, your view of God will not change. Okay, let's read Philippians 4, verse 11 and 12. This is Apostle Paul writing to the Philippian church. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned that in whatever situation, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So the secret is being content, or the secret is contentment. Are you content? Are you content? Or are you just wanting more? It's, I'm not, it's nothing bad to have aspirations. But it's a sin when you are not satisfied with what the Lord has given you. In fact, it leads to greed. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money. Money is good and we want it, yes, Lord. But we don't love the money. We love the God of the money. (laughs) We want the God of the money, you know. So, I mean, if we are content, we, we will not be moved. I mean, I referenced the past two years, and I'm going to say it again. It has shown us that what you hold tangibly, whether it be your career, whether it be your solid streams of income, whatever, it's, it's, it's really not guaranteed. You know, a lot of people have lost a lot. You know, interest rates shot through the roof, even for us taxpayers. So, um, we've all been affected, and... If we adopt the, the approach or the attitude that I'm going to be content with whatever season the Lord allows me to be in, we are unwavering. We will stay, you know, firm and, you know, we, we won't let the enemy get the, the most of us. Um, and most anxieties that we have about money, when we think about money and the things that keep us up at night, they come about because we are discontent. So if there's a prayer that I like to make, it's, Lord, teach me to be content. Lord, teach me to be content. Yeah. 
Even when the Lord has blessed you with much, don't feel bad. Be content. You know, drive your Range Rover and glorify God. Be content. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, But, you know, we just don't worship the assets. So we glorify God with it. Having abundance glorifies God when you know how to be grateful. Equally, having very little glorifies God when you know how to be grateful. So Charles Spurgeon says here, it is quite possible for discontentment to sit on a throne in a mansion as it is on a poor broken chair in a shack. Remember that a man's discontentment is in his mind, not in the amount of his possessions. So it's really an attitude of the heart. The heart is the mind. So let's just ask the Lord to help us change our mindset concerning money, change our mindset concerning um, what is enough, and, and, and learning to be content in, what, in whatever circumstance. Okay? Um, yeah. The Bi- actually, the Bible encourages us not to store up our treasures in this, in this earth. It says, store your treasures in heaven. I've always just battled with that scripture, but it's, 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 it's really relevant now that we're dealing with this, that know that when you, when you give, when you're giving your offering, when you're generous to others, you are storing your treasures in heaven. It's not going to waste. Um, Psalm 16, David writes a psalm. He says, Oh Lord, you are my God. Or, Oh Lord, in you I take refuge. He says, Apart from you, I have no good thing. I just love the way David looks at the goodness of God, or he looks at himself. Then he looks at God. I mean, he was a very wealthy king. But he, he had the audacity or the humility to say, God, apart from you, I have no good thing. It means all these golds and chariots and armies, they're pretty much meaningless apart yeah. from God. So he was content. Yeah. You know? So there's something that we can learn there. And Believing that God is our source leads us to be content. We, ne- we never have to worry because yeah. our Father has everything. And generosity will then grow in the soil of contentment. If you are content, you're not scared to let out more because there will always be enough for you. Yeah. Remember I said the Lord must teach us to understand what is enough. Yeah. Amen. So our attitude is what matters. I'm going to read from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse uh, 6 to 10. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Isn't that amazing? It's all good and well that we are saved. But with contentment, it's great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of it. But if we have food and clothing, with these we we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare that many senseless, uh, oh sorry, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil. 
It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. I mean, we, we, I'm sure we all know someone who, when they were humbled economically, they loved the Lord. And as soon as things went well, So we ought to pray, Lord, teach me to be content. Amen? <laughs> this question, <laughs> net or gross? <laughs> net or gross? So, I don't have the answer to that question, Pastor Lerico, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't have the answer to that question. The answer maybe is in the story, and I'm, I'm landing it now. Um, the answer is in the story. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, you can go there at home. This is a story where King David, his people are like really struggling. There's illness, there's um, a feminine, whatever, and he just needs to make a sacrifice to the Lord so that the Lord can take away his, his judgment from his people, and he's looking for a threshing floor in order to erect an altar and, and oxen and the like. So he comes to this guy, Ara, Aranua or Arauna, um, and this guy offers King David. I mean, if a king comes to you looking for something, you, you are honored to give to the king. So he's like, yes, King David, take it. You can have the threshing floor for free. You can have the oxen for free. And King David answers, no, I will buy it from you. Because I cannot bring a burnt offering to, my Lord, to the Lord my God, something that cost me nothing. That's King David saying, this. he says, I can't bring an offering to God, something that cost me nothing. So that's your answer. Does it cost you something? Great. <laughs> Um, and then Luke chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 38 says, For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If we're generous a lot, you know, the measure will be um, used to us. Yeah. And that's irrespective of the, the, the quantity, by the way. Quality over quantity. We remember the story where um, that poor old lady came to offer and Jesus is standing there near to the offering bin. I don't know where he was standing, but he had a good view to see that this lady just put two pennies and the, you know, he's then teaching his disciples to say, you see what that lady gave? Although it was little, but because of the attitude of her heart, because of the attitude of her heart, she was giving God her best. God valued that. So that's the answer. Give God your best. Whatever you give, give God your best and do so with a joyful heart. Amen. So, we are done. Um, we can just close our eyes and, and just let the Lord do his work with us, just for a second. And I think when we think about money, when we think about bringing an offering, even our tithes, we need to understand that we are bringing something to a holy God. Yeah. It's not that God needs our money, but it is our privilege. Yeah. It is our honor to be able to give something to God, to be able to bring something into his house. So, Lord, Father, we, we just want to thank you as your church. We thank you, Lord, that you are teaching us to remember this afternoon. You are teaching us to remember that you are the source 
of all that we have. You are the source of our wealth. You are the source of our life. And Father, we, we are just humbled. And Father, where we need to repent, Father, we repent from hoarding our wealth. We repent from actually making decisions about our wealth according to our own selfish desires. Father, we repent from not being generous to, to the church. We repent from not being generous to those around us, Father. We accept your word, Lord. We receive it and we ask, Lord, that you would teach us to be content. Teach us to be content with what you give us so that from it, our generosity will grow. We thank you, Lord, and may you be glorified, Lord, as your people take home this word. May it take root in our heart so that from it, we will bear fruit. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you.